Praise God. You have no idea how good it is to be back home. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, this morning, I just I want to start off first and foremost just by uh, taking some time to thank everybody. Uh, we have been we've been actually on a uh, sabbatical since July the first, and this is our first service back since uh, that Sunday morning. And first and foremost, I just I want to thank Gateway Church for. Uh, really helping us walk through it, helping us to understand it, what it, what it means, what the purpose is, and why it's so valuable. But then I want to thank my family, uh, my son Chase and, and daughter Bree, my daughter Claudia, uh, Christian, his girlfriend. Uh, I was so grateful but so impressed. I mean, they didn't, uh, they didn't miss a beat even though we weren't here. And you as a father, you have no idea how encouraging that is when you see your family still engaging in ministry, even though mom and dad aren't at the epicenter of it. It's very, very uh, encouraging. I want to thank our church staff, who has been functioning without their primary leadership, but uh, from everything I've been told, has been doing an amazing job. I want to thank uh, everybody that spoke for me. I know Pastor Mickey. Uh, wherever he is, he spoke a couple of times. I heard he did amazing. Um, yeah, amen. want to also thank Jen. I know she spoke. Uh, Pastor Ben, I know he spoke. I heard he tore it up. How can you not tear it up to Rocky Three? I mean, but uh, also just I want to thank you guys as a church uh, for, for graciously allowing us to walk through something that in my history of ministry since 1996, I've never walked out before, and there were some real high points, there were some real low points, but having now been on the other side, I understand it, and I understand the reasoning behind it, but you guys have been so gracious. I mean, almost every, uh, every little bit, I, I will say this, I, I've missed our church. I have flat out missed our church, and I have missed the community of you guys. Uh, it was difficult not to talk to people about church because this is a huge part of our life. It's kind of the epicenter of our life, and that was a difficult part. So, I mean, I was just as giddy as a little schoolgirl getting to come this morning because I'm like, I get to interact with my tribe, with my group, with my people and I'm so grateful for that. So I want to thank you guys, too, just as a church. Uh, but I'm grateful to be back this morning. Grateful. Amen? So let's pray, and let's get ready for the word that God has for us. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, we humbly come before you. And we thank you, Father God, for just this moment in time. Father, I... I have such a newfounded appreciation for just the little things. And Father, I'm grateful for just the opportunity to be here this morning, to be here in your presence with your people, loving on you, singing, worshiping, and now engaging with your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an amazing uh, 
time for you to speak to the hearts of your sons and your daughters. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name that you would bring a now word that speaks to the very heart of all of us here. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I want to start out this morning by asking a very specific question, and I want you to really begin to think about it, uh, let it kind of sink deep into your heart, but I want to ask you this question this morning. No matter where you are, and no matter what circumstances are going on in life, but here's my question to you this morning. Are you in faith, or are you in frustration? And I really want you to ponder that because they are on polar opposite sides of the spectrum. Are you in faith this morning or are you in frustration? Can I tell you this, guys? Faith is motivated by hope. Faith is motivated by a, a hope of something different. Where frustration is motivated by what you believe is the problem in your life right now. Let me just say it one more time. Faith is motivated by a hope of something different. But frustration is motivated by whatever you deem to be the problems in your life right now. And again, whatever that is across the entire spectrum, maybe your marriage hasn't worked out to be the way you desire it to be. Maybe you're not making enough money. Maybe you're not living where you wish you could live. Maybe you're not happy with how life has been going. I will tell you this, it is so easy to step from faith into frustration because of what you deem to be some problems in your life right now. And again, they can, they can kind of show up at any time. But that's why I want us to take a sincere look on the inside and ask ourselves a question, are we in faith right now or are we just in frustration? So there's a scripture that if you have your Bibles with you, turn, if you would, to Mark 11. If not, you can follow with us up on the screen. It'll be up on the screen. But Mark 11, verse 22, and it's a fairly familiar passage of scripture, but I want to give you the quick backstory on it. Jesus has made, at the beginning of the chapter, he's made... Uh, his triumphant entry. People are throwing palm branches on the ground, and he's riding in on a colt, and they're yelling, Messiah. And his first act walking in as Messiah is he makes a cord and starts whipping some butt in the temple of things that he feels like aren't going properly. And right after that, he, he walks outside of the city, and he's hungry. And this is a, a really important part right here. And he passes a fig tree. The tree's alive. The tree's got leaves on it. But it's not the time for figs, so it's not time for the blooms to be showing up, the fruit to be showing up. But Jesus is hungry, and he walks by the tree, and he says, because there's no fruit hanging off the tree, we'll get a little bit more into that a little later, but with a lack of fruit, he says, may no one eat fruit off of you again. This is my paraphrase. And he basically tells it to wither and die. And then he walks on. And they go do their stuff. And the next day, they're walking back to the city. And his disciples are in awe. 
because they see this tree and yesterday it was alive, it was vibrant, it had leaves on it, it was a growing, thriving tree and today they walk by it. The very next day they walk by it and it's dead and it's withered and it's got to be something that they can physically see with their eyes because they notice it and they say, Master, look at the tree that you cursed. Look at it. Yesterday it was alive, it was vibrant, it was full of life and today it's dead. And Jesus takes this opportunity to kind of speak to his boys. And he makes this statement in Mark eleven twenty two, And he says this, have faith in God. It's a very simple statement, and it's fairly open-ended. Have faith in God. Open-ended enough that you can apply it to whatever you're dealing with in life. But have faith. So when you break that down real quick, and the New Testament, Old Testament's written in Hebrew, New Testament's written in Greek. When you look up that word faith in the Greek, in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, it's the word pistis. P-I-S-T-I-S. And here's what it means. It means a conviction. It means confidence. It means trust. It means belief. It means a confident expectation. Again, it's a, it's a confidence. It's a trust. It's a conviction. It's a very confident expectation. So he's saying, have a confident expectation in God. Have a belief in God. Have a trust in God. But confidently expect that God's going to do something amazing on your behalf. Have that kind of trust, that kind of faith, that kind of belief in God. Have that. Now, can I give you now the Greek definition of the word frustration? They generally break it down into two words. And the first word is parar, and the second word is ateo. Parar ateo. And here's what that first word parar means. It means to make void. Now, think about that. When you're frustrated, you void what God wanted to do. You make void. It means there was a transaction happening, but then it got voided. It also means this. It means to bring to nothing. It means this. There was something going on. There was something at the end of the journey, but because I got frustrated, now when I get to the end of the journey, it leads to nothing. Has anybody ever experienced that before, or is it just me? I think the first five weeks of my sabbatical was that right there. And I'll talk more about that probably next week. But, man, when I started getting into this out of my frustration, man, God began to show me, you're voiding things in your life. You're taking something that I wanted to do and you're bringing it to nothing out of your frustration that I won't do something amazing in your life. You're voiding the transaction that I was about to pass through out of your frustration. Here's the next part of that word. Ateo. It means to reject. Now, I really want you to think about that. This word frustration... To void something, to make something to nothing, and then to reject. That means there's something in place, but I choose to reject it. 
chew on that just a little bit. It means this, to nullify or to bring to disappointment. See, you had hope, you had excitement, you had a belief, but you allowed frustration to come in and bring you to a place of disappointment. To bring you to a place of disappointment. Man, I, I, I was excited. My, my hope was high. I had a belief. And then some things started happening that started to void my belief and void my expectation and void all those things. And now all of a sudden, I'm in a place where I'm really frustrated and really disappointed. See, that line of thinking, here's what that's going to do. That kind of frustrated thinking leads you to a mindset that makes you believe all that you're doing is in vain. It's why people leave the church, the church, because they get into a place of frustration that leads them to thinking, what's the point? Well, all I'm doing is in vain right now. See, it nullifies what God wanted to do, what God has in store for you, and it nullifies that and brings us to a place where I'm really ticked off. I'm really aggravated. Why isn't God doing this? Why isn't that happening? And now out of the abundance of your heart, instead of faith pouring out, all that's pouring out of me is frustration. Come on, this morning, I want us to take a very uh, self-examined look into our heart, and I want to ask the question again, are you in faith? Or are you in frustration? And I really want you to chew on it. I've been struggling with it for about seven weeks now. And chewing on the fact that have I been voiding some of the amazing things that God wants to do because of what I perceive to be issues and problems going on in my life? I'm not happy here. I'm not happy there. I'm not happy in this situation. And again, that kind of thinking, that frustrated line of thinking leads us to a place where we just feel like everything we're doing is kind of pointless. So why bother? Why bother waking up on a Sunday morning? Why bother picking up my Bible and actually reading it throughout the week? Why bother listening to things that can build me up and strengthen me why bother? Has anybody else ever been there, or is this just my own message that I'm preaching to my own self? Are, you, are we in faith? Because faith is a confident expectation that even though this may be my circumstance today, it doesn't have to stay that way because I serve a good God, an amazing God that can do things on my behalf, and circumstances can change that fast. They can change that quick. Hmm. I've missed being here, by the way. I'm so grateful to be back. I want to ask you, for the people that are closest to you, your spouse, maybe your kids, your family, your, your immediate uh, inner circle of friends, here's my question. What's your conversation with them look like? Now, I know there'll be some of you that say, well, I, I have to be brutally honest with those that are closest to me. Yes, there are times and moments for that. There are times where, listen, and, and this, I'm, I'm going to give you some marriage advice just real quickly. 
there are some times, especially with your spouse, there are some times where you need to vomit. But you know what I've learned, and my wife has really helped me with this, is we begin to actually ask our, each other, what do you need from me right now? Because by nature, as a man, I want to fix things. So when she tells me something, I just want to fix it. I don't really want to listen. Any guys in the house? I just want to fix the problem. So we begin to ask each other, what do you need from me right now? Because there are times where, listen, I just need to vomit. I don't need you to preach the word back to me. I don't need you to counsel me, and I don't need you to fix something. I just need to throw up for a second and get it off of my chest. But if you actually will ask your spouse that question, then you know men, man, I'm talking to the men right now, you know exactly how to win because you know exactly what she needs when I ask the question, what do you need from me right now? And it actually helps you to succeed. Guys, that's free. That's a free nugget right there. There are those times with your spouse and those close to you that you need to vomit. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your general day-to-day conversation. What does that look like with those that are closest to you? I'm good, but not really. I'm not really good. But that's at least what I tell everyone. I've been so focused on what I believe to be the problems in my life that that's really all I end up being able to see. I'm not happy. I'm frustrated. What I'm doing feels like just pointless repetition. I have these little pockets of happiness, but overall I'm pretty frustrated with who I am, where I am, what's been going on. What I'm challenging you to really think through what's your conversation look like to those that are closest to you. I'm not, I'm, I'm excluding the moments that I just need to vomit and get something off of my chest. Because we all need those moments. But what does the conversation look like? Is it birthed out of pretty consistent areas of frustration? Proverbs 34, 18 says this. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And save such as have a contrite spirit. So Listen. If you're in frustration this morning, guess what? I bring a message of hope because the Lord is near those who are brokenhearted. And the Lord wants to save those who have a contrite, frustrated spirit. So even if that's you this morning and you're sitting there like, man, pastor has been gone seven weeks and is reading my mail this morning, the reality is you're in a good spot because God wants to heal that frustrated heart this morning. God wants to remove that frustration and turn it into a confident expectation that God can do it. Again, faith is focused on a hope that even though this may be today, right now, it can change. Where frustration is focused on a perceived problem that seems bigger than any other solution. Amen? Are you with me this morning? So Hebrews 12.1. And praise God, we're not lost causes. Praise God for that. We're not a lost cause. Man, God is near the brokenhearted. 
If you're brokenhearted this morning because of things that haven't been going the way you wish they would or want to, or you're just wondering, why did the fires burn so bright months ago, but they're not burning bright right now? Praise God, there's hope for all of us because God wants to heal our frustrated spirit. Amen? Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Now, if you look that up again in the Greek, guess what that word mimics? Frustration. Let me reread it. Let us lay aside every weight and frustration which so easily ensnares us Let me reread that part. Which so easily can nullify, can void out, can bring us to a place of disappointment and let us run our race that is set before us. It's difficult to run to a goal when I am frustrated, aggravated, and feel like everything I'm doing is just pointless. Come on. Does anybody believe that? That's difficult. That's a difficult race to run. Why am I even here? You know, sometimes I feel that way on the elliptical machine in the gym. It's like, what am I doing here? Sometimes it's difficult when I don't see the purpose, when I don't understand the reason, when I am frustrated because it seems like everything is pushing against me. Can I tell you this? Can I give you just a real quick snippet? I think I got time. I'm at the gym the other day, and the guy that's one of the managers up there, he's also a personal trainer, and the guy's in his 50s, and he's jacked. And this elderly person after elderly person keeps coming in and having him as their personal trainer, and this guy's brutal. I mean, these people got to be, some of them got to be like in their late 60s, 70s, and he is just brutal. And I've talked to him several times, and he's made a couple of statements that just resound in me because they have spiritual implication as well. But he said, no growth will ever happen without resistance. No growth is ever going to happen without resistance. And he said, do you want me to coddle them or do you want me to help them? Come on. It is the reality that we've got a race to run in the goal set before us that our Father places in front of each one of us. And the reality is, sometimes I just don't want to run because there's resistance. But it's the very resistance that causes us to grow. It's that very resistance that, listen, if you'll push through it, you'll grow through it. Come on, that needs to be on a t-shirt. If you'll push through it, you'll grow through it. If you push through it, you can grow through it. Or we can let those weights beset us. We can let those weights, those frustrations, get us off of the race that we're on. 
if you go, if you go just one chapter back to, to Hebrews 11, verse 1, it, it's interesting because in my Bible, I've got a study Bible. In Hebrews 12, it says the race of faith is kind of the caption over the chapter. And then Hebrews 11, the caption is, by faith we understand. Verse 11, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 1, just go one chapter backwards. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. Let me say it one more time. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. See, faith is a confident expectation. Faith confidently believes, man, God can do something right here, right now, regardless of what my circumstances or situation is. Man, God can do something right now. I firmly believe that my God is bigger than my issues. My God is bigger than my problems. My God can do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ever ask or think. Or I could get my focus so much on my issues that it just totally derails me. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Hope, let me put it this way. Hope is what my faith is running to obtain. Let me say it one more time. Faith is what, I'm sorry, hope is what my faith is running after. Can I give you an illustration here that, I know it's a little cheesy, and you just got to bear with me on it, but I think you'll really get the point. Because, again, hope is your goals, your vision, your dreams. It's the revelation of what God said about you and what God's called you to do. That is what your hope is, and your faith runs after hope. So here's my cheesy illustration. Just bear with me, but I think you'll get the point. How many of you have a dog that can actually fetch couple okay I almost thought about calling some people and asking them to bring one but I was like I don't want a dog up in here to be honest with you but think of it this way now again I have never had a dog that could effectively fetch let me put it that way but that dog if if they are if they love fetch and they know the game and they're trained to do that they will sit at your feet for minutes, maybe for hours, for lengths of time. But when they see that ball come out, or whatever it is that you play fetch with them with, or let's just say a ball. When they see that ball come out, they know what that means. And the second you throw it, what do they do? They go get it. And here's what you've got to understand. Your hope is like that ball. And when that ball is released, and you've got a serious, genuine hope attached to it, your faith is like that dog that is waiting to go retrieve something. It will sit and wait patiently on you days, weeks, months, but if there's no ball thrown, there's nothing to chase after. And if you don't give your faith hope, there's nothing for it to chase after. 
And it just sits waiting patiently saying, if you will just give me the word, I'll go fetch what you need. But you've got to think of it in the context that if you don't release the ball, if you don't release your hope, then your faith has nothing to go after. And listen, I'm just as human as you are. There's nothing more frustrating than I did hope for something and it didn't happen. I extended my hope out there and nothing happened. And so I don't know if I want to throw the ball again because I just don't want to be disappointed. Can I challenge you just one last time? Are you in faith? are you in frustration? Because the reality is, is frustration is focused on what can't be done, and faith is focused on what can be done. And sometimes because, listen, I've experienced some frustration, I'm hesitant to throw the ball again. Listen, it doesn't make it truth, it just makes it your experience. And so the reality is, if you don't give your faith something to fetch, it's just going to sit and wait on you. It's still there. It's still ready. Now, do, do any of the people that have dogs that can effectively fetch, do any of the, are they able to run at light speed? They are? Because if they are, you should be a billionaire by now if they can. No, they can run, but can they run at light speed? I mean, can they, can they instantaneously, the second is thrown, just like grab it and get back, like instantaneously? Does it take a little time depending on how far you throw? So why is it that we think there should always be instantaneous results the second that we hope for something? The reality is, it does take a little bit of time at times. Sometimes it's a short throw, and it's an easy retrieve. Sometimes it's a longer throw. Sometimes, depending on what you're throwing, it may be a little bit more time-consuming for the dog to get it back. I feel like I'm preaching good. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I'm preaching good. But I know this, I've been chewing on this stuff for the past seven weeks, and this is your first time to chew, so I'm going to give you that time. Are we in faith? Are we in frustration? That dog, again, represents your faith. And one time, we owned a bulldog. One time. (laughs) That was way more work than I ever realized it would ever be. But I do know this, that when that dog, we we had one of those, you know, ropes that were like this long with a knot on each end. When that dog grabbed onto that thing, there was no getting it loose. And talk about stubborn. That's the most stubborn dog I have ever had the privilege of owning. Oh, that our faith would be the exact same way. 
that when it grabs onto something, you cannot get its jaws loose, and it will stubbornly keep after it until it is right at your feet. Oh, that our faith would have the same sort of tenacity. That dog is your faith. That ball represents your hopes, your dreams, the revelation of the things that God has spoken into your life, but your faith cannot run after something that isn't there. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to move out of frustration, and I want to move into faith. Can I tell you, being frustrated is a miserable place to be. It is miserable. But you know what? You know what to me is just an attractive quality that I want to be around is when I'm around somebody that has infectious hope and faith. That it's just oozing out of them. I want to be around that person because it's inspiring to me. It encourages me. It helps me not to stay in my little woe is me funk. It helps me out of my areas of frustration and it helps me to move into a place where I am confidently expecting God to do something and you're not going to move me off of it. That is faith. So is your faith sitting around? Even worse, has your faith turned into frustration? Is your faith sitting, waiting to be released? I looked up, uh, I looked up the word hope in the Greek, and I think it was really interesting because something caught my eye. It wasn't the whole definition, but this part really caught my attention, and it's something that uh, Pastor Sarah has even talked about uh, multiple times. She might even talk about it today. I know she's going to uh, speak here in just a little bit uh, when we have our time for offering, but this really caught my attention. It's, it's interesting because the, the Greek word for hope, and, and I know my pronunciation isn't perfect, but to the best of my understanding, it's pronounced el peace. Now, what's interesting about that is E-L is the, is the Hebrew for God. El, El Shaddai. El. But isn't it interesting that even the word peace is mixed in to the word hope? But here's what really caught my attention is one of the definitions of hope. It's the word pleasure. That really caught my attention because here's what it tells me, that when I am sincerely in hope and my, and my faith, when I've got something I'm hoping for and I'm attaching my faith to that, here's what that means. I am confidently expecting God to do something with pleasure. Now, I want to earnestly, again, have you think about this. When is the last time you have earnestly believed God for something with pleasure? Where you're excited about it. You're happy. It's, 
It's bringing you pleasure to believe God for this thing. Because when you start mixing that faith with your hope, it should begin to bring pleasure to you as well. To where you are actually, dare I say, excited about what God is going to do. You're happy about what God is going to do. This is why Paul told people that when you give, give with pleasure. Why? Because I am confidently expecting that I can't outgive God. I can't. I am confidently expecting, man, God's going to do something amazing for me. I am confidently expecting that God has me right where he wants me to do something amazing in somebody's life. And I'm actually in pleasure about it. It brings a smile across my face. It makes me excited. I mean, I again, I was just about as giddy as a schoolgirl getting to come this morning. As sad as it is, it's been the first time in a long time that I've had real sincere pleasure about coming. But it's a reality that all of a sudden when you've got a confident expectation that God is going to do something amazing in your life, a pleasure starts to develop if there is a genuine hope and faith attached to it, an excitement, a pleasure that, man, today, today could be the very day that is a life-defining, life-changing moment for me because I believe God is going to do something amazing on my behalf. And I refuse to get my eyes on the issues. I'm going to get my eyes on the solution to those issues. I'm going to get my eyes where they need to be because every time I'm focused there, it's when I'm the most happiest. And I challenge you in that area right there. You be your own judge. Are you the happiest when you're in faith? Or are you the happiest when you're in frustration? I don't think it's a fair question. But it's the reality. See, faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. Faith, listen, is the substance that I can confidently expect with pleasure for God to do something great. I want, I want to sincerely take a moment just to judge our heart. And I want you to take a moment. It's one of the reasons we like to end our services, and we feel like God has very intentionally led us to do it this way. But we like to end our services with one last song, whether it be a praise, whether it be a worship. But here's why. It's one of the best times for me to really reflect on what God is saying to me right now. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Will you do me just a quick favor? Will you... Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask this question. God, what are you saying to me right now? Have I been frustrated? At whatever 
whatever, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's personally, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's financially, maybe it's with your health, maybe it's with your family, maybe it's where you're living. Have you been frustrated? God, what are you saying to me right now? Because I don't want to live in a frustrated, miserable place where I feel like everything I'm doing is just pointless and, and in vain. There's no point. Vanity of vanities. What are you saying to me right now? I know this, when you're in frustration, you are not expecting God to do something amazing for you. And if you're in frustration this morning, man, thank God, he is near to the brokenhearted. And he wants to heal those that are contrite. In spirit, he wants to heal those that are frustrated in spirit. And it's so simple this morning. If you're sitting here saying, you know what, Pastor, again, you're hitting the, the nail right on the head. I've been frustrated that it's just been me. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing that I did. And just have a very real conversation and say, God, that's, that's me. I have been I am just, I'm, I'm going to be very real, raw, and transparent. I've been, and I'm asking you to forgive me for that. I'm asking you, I, I've let those frustrations pull me out of the race because they have just, they've just been such a burden I've been carrying. I haven't been happy. I haven't been satisfied. It's been spilling out to those around me. And I'm asking you to replace my frustration this morning with hope. I speak that over you right now in Jesus' name. I speak hope over you right now in Jesus' name. I speak hope over your marriage. I speak hope over your finances. I speak hope over your health. I speak hope over your family. I speak hope over your job. I speak hope over every single area that may be a point of frustration. I speak hope to you, and I declare faith in Jesus' name to rise up on the inside of you, a confident expectation that God is going to do something amazing for me, and it's going to be with pleasure that I see the fruition of it happen right before my eyes that you, Father, will be able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I've ever asked or think. I just replace your frustration with faith in Jesus' name. A confident hope. And we're going to get into that because I know that you can look up for a second. I, I know that that can seem broad, and, and I promise we'll dig into it. And I'm going to dig into a little bit of what these past seven weeks have been like next Sunday. And we're going to dig into what, what should that hope be. But I so want to encourage you. God wants to move us out of a frustrated place and move us into a happy place. How many of you have seen Happy Gilmore? Any, any takers? Listen, I wasn't always saved. I love Happy Gilmore. And it is the reality that he even talks about it with Happy Gilmore. Just, just find your happy place. There's more to it than just that. 
But when you're in faith, it moves you into a happier place, a happier position where you are not frustrated, but you're actually excited about what God is going to do next. And I'm not sure when. It may be in a couple of minutes. It may be in a few hours. But I know this. God is going to do something great on my behalf. I know it. It is a confident expectation that my God is a good God. And he is good to his sons and his daughters. Amen? Praise God. I sure do love you guys. And I'm so glad to be back.